Hey, this is Battle Tapes, and you're listening to Paradise Arcade. The Paradise Arcade may contain explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Paradise Arcade with Eric and Kyle. All right, welcome to another episode of the Paradise Arcade. This week, uh, we've got a very special guests. Uh, we've got Riley and Josh from Battle Tapes. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, man. Yeah, uh, thanks for having us. So I'm really excited to have you guys on. I discovered you ironically through Comtrues. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's it's a, a slightly adjacent thing but i i saw what you guys were doing and and you've been around forever so i feel like a fool like i recognize your songs and i'm like oh it's it's this band uh (laughs) and i've really enjoyed your music and and really like i've in earnest once i started discovering you guys like like really like found out who you guys were really started to digest and take in your music and i really love the mood and the energy and there's like there's a mix of like this this energy and upbeat, but it still is kind of like it could be like dirty and like grimy in a sort of way. You guys have a very interesting sound that I that really resonates with me. So um, I'm excited, Thanks, to, yeah, to, to talk about it. Um, obviously, you've got a new record coming out soon. You've got uh, if only that single came out a, a little bit ago, in and then obviously that teases the the new album texture. So, um. I'd like to start out w- with just that, with the the lead into the the new album, what you guys have been working on, and kind of what went into that. Yeah, I mean, we've been working on this record for a minute now. I mean, we we started. I think we took a little break after our last EP form came out, uh, and just kind of, you know, had to step out and go find new inspiration, and then kind of come back and figure out what we were doing exactly. Um, and then we, we had most of a record, I wouldn't say done, but we had a lot of a record going and then the pandemic hit and we kind of just like sat on our hands a little bit to see what was going to happen. You know, like, yeah. well, maybe we need to keep, maybe we, we can keep working on a record and like, just let's see what other people do first, you know, and just kind of watch and wait. And, you know, the pandemic itself was so loud, you know, in everyone's life, it was hard to hear any new music. Like, I think everyone was kind of listening to a lot of music, but they were going back to things they were familiar with and trying to find comfort in that. And it, it just felt like whenever I'd see a band release or an artist release a record, it was like here today, gone today kind of thing. Where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this pandemic, though, you know, yeah, right. was a bit more the attitude of, of, I mean, even myself, I felt that way. And uh, so I think, you know, when that kind of happened, we're like, well, that just buys us a little more time to make this record even better. And like, you know, we, we didn't feel as rushed. And not that we're ever a band that really feels rushed to do anything, but you know, you do, you do notice the talk, the, the clock ticking, you know? Um, but it kind of bought us a little more time to make the record better. And uh, also, you know, it inspired a lot of new songs. And like, if only it wasn't one of those songs that, you know, I don't think would have happened had the pandemic not happened or, you know, even the, you know, the protests that happened, the 45th presidency, just all that kind of combined uh inspired a lot of new material did um with the album as it stands now how much of it is the pre-pandemic music 
versus now? I mean, is it has it completely changed the original sort of idea of the album? I don't know how much of the pandemic versus just um, our vibe in general changed it. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say about half of it was pre-pandemic, half of it was post. Um, but yeah, there definitely was some, you know, just having the, the little extra, you know, room to stretch our legs, change the sound of the record a, a little bit, you know, just what you're influenced by, or what you're inspired by, or like, oh, you know what would sound good if we tried this? We had time to do that. Like, oh, let's try this, you know, and then try that and find success or not in those things. But yeah, how much of the pandemic changed the sound? I don't know. I can tell you it's maybe some of the themes of the songs were changed or maybe some um, some thematic elements I may not have wanted to approach before, you know, just seemed to be kind of like right in front of our face where you kind of can't ignore it. I mean, we're never a band that, that we've never been a band that's, you know, talked about relevant cultural things. Right. Um, it's usually more just human experience kind of things. And I think, again it was this is something that was happening to everybody and you kind of can't ignore that yeah it's definitely you know when i think of the pandemic i don't necessarily think of it as like the it's more like a a time and like where life changed and it's different Mm -hmm. for every single person and and what you you know how you choose to interact with it's going to be different for everybody but your life is changed because you can't do the stuff that you were doing before and and you made a very interesting point where you know people started to kind of go back and be more reflective and go to things that were maybe comforting um and so that's kind of more what i was alluding like because of the the you had the time the forced time and you said you were kind of uh looking back yourself it's just i'm curious if like if you rediscovered something that inspired you in a different way or, or made you think about something in a different way Hmm. That's a good question. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, I. I'm trying to like think back over the songs, and their subject matter, or even just the the sound of them. I, I mean, maybe for I, I like. I think afterwards we leaned into more live instruments again, where I feel like with the last EP it was very much more electronic. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's the comfort thing again, like just going back to like something a little more, um, a little more, I don't want to say bare bones, but you know, um, a little more humanity, you know, I feel like that may have been touched on where it's like, I wanted to find an easier way to connect. And sometimes electronic music is is tough to do that with on a, a visceral kind of level. Um, if that makes any sense. Oh, um, yeah. Riley, any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like the pandemic hasn't really changed like the way our music feels. It would, and you know, I, I think it would have more of an effect on the lyrical side of things uh, and, and the stories that are being told within the songs. But I feel like the um, the songs to me just feel like an evolution of uh, what we've been doing. You know, they're different, but they're still in the, in the wheelhouse. Yeah. Of what, what you would expect from us. Yeah, I agree uh, with that. Maybe, like, maybe the production, you know, like I say, like, maybe using, like, live drums instead of 
a drum machine on this one. You know, maybe that was yeah, influenced I mean, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it. I think our music definitely was uh, affected by the, you know, like when the pandemic first hit. You know, you and I weren't even seeing each other that much. Yeah, uh, and so it definitely made. We, you know, our, our style of work has always been kind of each of us in our own little uh, corner working on stuff and throwing it back and forth. But the pandemic kind of forced that even further to the point where, like, we weren't sitting in the same room listening to these songs. We were strictly over digital communications for, you know, at least five or six but, months, I think. Yeah, better part of a year at least. And yeah. th that's the thing, too. We like we do work collect like in our own little bubble. And then or a little egg, and that, and then we'll come to each other and be like, "Yo, check this out." And usually that's done face to face, and we kind of vibe off each other, and we're like listening to the thing, you know, mm -hmm. to the idea for the first time. That kind of inspires us to like, in that moment, to start working on something, you know, uh, where we couldn't really do that this time necessarily. It was a bit more isolated, as everyone was, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I think it also led to a little bit of a, our, you know, what we are personally listening to kind of has diverted a little bit. Mm -hmm. so, so the ideas that we're bringing to the table are a little bit different than what we, you know, because usually all the last albums that Josh and I would be sitting in one of our cars jamming out to the Spotify playlist we've been adding songs to, and that's where I would find music yeah, from Josh right. and then vice versa. So uh, I, I, that that definitely changed a bit. Yeah, that's very interesting because in a way, um, you guys when you work even when you're doing work on your own stuff in the same room there is that ability to like almost instantly give like feedback or instant inspiration and then it kind of goes where it goes where you're working separately and then you're passing things back and forth digitally and so there's it's almost like you've got you've more time to process and be thoughtful which is interesting and i was going to get to this about the style of of like how you write cuz some people um are they just they create in the moment they let it out there it is and there's not much um like production it's sort of a a time stamp of here's where i was as a person in this moment mm -hmm. and then some people and it sounds like you guys spend more time developing songs and crafting them and um and this in this case with the pandemic hitting it seems like you had more time and that's literally what you did you're just saying you were going from maybe programming drums to having a live drummer um, and it changing in that way um, with. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it's funny though. I think there's a, a bit of like both to that where when we would get together, there's a bit more fire and forget, or there's a bit more where you stumble, you know, who's ever like manning the guns at the time, you know, will stumble across something. And maybe if, if I was alone, I would, not even think twice about it or think that was bad and move on where if Riley's in the room, he's like, whoa, whoa, what was that? Do go back to that again. You know, and you had that thing that maybe I would have missed, but he heard it and it turns into this really rad idea, you know? So that's, that's, I think that's the kind of, there's a duality there where when we're together, you can have those moments where there is a bit of spontaneity to it. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe something that, you know, cause they were piloting at the time would have missed, but the other person there caught it. We're here, you know, with this way, I think the other, the, the upside is just what you said, where you do have time to develop it and, uh, you know, let it marinate a little bit. Yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Do you think, and obviously the the method that you use to make this record, the situation obviously affected it. Like it is a, it, it yeah. is a product of its, 
um, development over the last few years. Um, with um, do you guys typically take a long time to develop songs? Because you know, you look at your discography. You know, you guys have been around since or releasing since 2010. You technically have one album, obviously several mm -hmm. EPs. Um, does it take a bit for you guys to just write in a general sense or what does that process look like to you typically outside of, you know, what the world was? Uh, I, I think early on it was just, we are all working day jobs and, you know, moonlighting as producers and musicians. So like there was the, the time battle with that early on and trying to make a record and playing shows all the time. And, um, just finding the time to do it. But yeah, I think in general, we do take longer than, it's definitely not like a, a quick process. It is like wringing out a, a wet rag to get a couple drops out a lot of times. Uh, you know, I envy the people who are on more like fire hose status with that. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, in general, it does take us a while, but we all have, you know, our own lives that we're doing other things into. But yeah, I mean, we definitely take our time. We're, we don't feel any pressure to keep, you know, keep putting stuff out just for the sake of putting things out. We put stuff out with intent. You know what I mean? I think a lot of times we look at the landscape of, of music and like, where is there a void that needs filling as opposed to like piling on to what's already happening? You know, like, well, that's already, that's already happening. We don't need to do that. What, what do we, what do we want to do? What needs to be said or, you know, where is there uh, a lacking in the, you know, cultural landscape for whatever we're vibing on at the time. I think that's a really interesting point. It's very intentional and it's a risk in a certain way because, you know, as I've, you know, gotten to know and interviewed many musicians and, and just seeing how the landscape is with like instant gratification and getting into the, the thing, right? Oh my God, this, this sound is a thing. So we, people chase that, um, to go, well, uh, we're going to go take a left, because there's a space here we think we could fill as opposed to chasing a particular thing. I mean, that, there's a certain level of, I don't want to call it courageousness or courage, but certainly there's an uncompromising um, vision a bit to that, how you guys choose to make music or where you release it. Um, has there ever been a thing where you've looked at something you've done and then been like, yeah, we're not going to release that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a few things where it, a lot of it for us is like authenticity. And like, I just wanted to, I can't release something I don't feel like 100% behind, like that it needs to be heard. You know, like I'm, you know, if you're not making music for your audience, then why bother release it? You know, mm -hmm. um, feel free to jump in anytime, Riley. I feel like I'm hogging the spotlight <laughs> here. Uh, my only comment to that last question is I have sorry, I have uh, um, I have seen Josh shelve an entire album before Battle Tate started he <laughs> worked on it for years he was like hey do you want to come play these songs with me and I was like sure and then he was like uh, you know what I don't think they make sense and then you know that was and then Battle Tate's got going after that yeah we started like yeah I, I, I made a whole record before battle tapes and I realized it was a record for me, not for anyone else. And I, I honestly didn't, it was, it was like a, you know, I, I just, I'd listened I listened back to the record once. I was like, I don't know if I even like this and I don't know if I can 
why would I expect anyone else to listen to this if I'm not even feeling it? You know, it was more of an exercise and like, you know, um, just, I don't even know how to explain it. It was just uh, like an exercise in popping wheelies, you know, or doing a backflip or something where it wasn't for an audience. It was just for me to like flex, you know? I mean, that's very interesting. Um, and to have that, um, like, yeah, I'm not going to I'm gonna put all this work, this time, this energy, money, really, um, into this thing. And I'm just, and then you're just going to not release it. Um, that, I, it's that's interesting. Um, and Retrospectively, it, I definitely think it was the correct decision. Sure. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly. At the time, I was like, what the hell are you doing, man? But, you know, yeah. as time moved on, I was like, yeah, okay, I see what he's talking about. Yeah, because once you so. put it out there in the world, it's interesting. And I think – and I'm – I'm not giving any opinion one way or another about it because once you release music into the world, it's no longer yours. Right. And you have to live with the consequences, good, bad, or otherwise of what it is. And you see a lot of people who release music, um, maybe as a joke and are, and that's all they're known for is that one thing in time and space and is not reflective of anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think you know it's a it's certainly a valid approach. So I'm not I'm not like giving it any shade whatsoever. Uh, oh no, man! It's uh, but yeah, it's certainly something that is interesting and, and certainly different than a lot of um, folks that I know that are like they get it, they put it out there, they get it, they put it out there, and it's almost you know like a compulsion as opposed to a very thoughtful, meaningful like what is this going to do? Is this reflective of you know what I want to be seen in or as a reflective of and and so it's um you're very intentional about how and when you release music and clearly your discography shows that because they're very specific pieces of things that are music that's been released and you shelve an entire albums that's impressive yeah I mean it's uh well I mean I think a lot of what we do is we ask like you know what what is this doing for the culture or what is this doing for you know the world and does this need to be released but um yeah i i just want everything to be you know it's so subjective but i want it to be good and if it, not even good or bad but i just want it to be interesting at least you know yeah. i think anyone responding to what we're doing with like ambivalence is maybe the worst response i'd rather just i'd rather someone like hate what we were doing than have no feeling on it at all, you know? Um, but yeah, I think it's just, um, yeah, it's like, what's your, art- it kind of go back to what you were saying. It was just like, what's your artistic integrity worth? You know, like, yeah, I spent money on making that record, but like at the end of the day, like I, I just want to do good work that people enjoy, you know? And yeah. So I think, you know, sometimes you gotta make that tough call. You gotta, you know, just look at what you're doing honestly and be like, is this one I want to put out, you know, but, um, and it, it's, it's not really a complete loss. It's, uh, making that album was an exercise in making an album. Absolutely. Yeah. Important muscle to, to work out, you know? Yeah. And, it, and also and I'm thinking about too, like some of the early battle tape stuff was, there's definitely like, uh, you know, repurposed parts from those songs like that. You know, this chorus is really good and I can probably write something new around it, you know, where that kind of gave us a little jump start with the battle tape stuff when we first started. It's uh, how a lot of early ministry um, stuff was recorded. So 
they yeah. they do something that's really weird, and they just what the, uh, Al Jorgensen calls it bulk record, and they just basically doodle, and they have hundreds and hundreds of hours of musical experimentation, and then he goes back through and listens to it, and then takes the course, the melody, the, the whatever of it, and starts to build an album from those bulk recordings. Yeah, we we do a, a similar thing like that where we have like little synth stations set up in our studios and we'll just, you know, hit record and logic and uh, just start jamming out. And when something interesting or cool happens, we'll set a marker and then go back later and find out, oh, that little synth part was really rad. That's inspiring. I'll make something out of that. Like No Good was, uh, one of our songs called No Good was that way, whereas like just this one little synth riff inspired the whole track. Um yeah, and I think it's it's kind of fun to just I mean you got to just kind of play, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's when all the, the good stuff happens. It's like when you're working without any intent is when you stumble into something really fun or rad, you know. That you know, if you're not thinking about it, those things can appear really easily. I absolutely agree with that. Uh when you put pressure on creativity, um it's especially like intent. I think that could really spoil creativity. Um, Certainly like some limitations, like you limit your instruments that you choose to use. Cause obviously now infinite sounds are available to you and your fingertips. And Mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of folks that have, they've gotten writer's block because they, they're, they basically have decision fatigue and yeah. uh, Analysis paralysis. they call it Exactly. (laughs) So, you know, I think, you know, just, going in and, and playing and, and just seeing what happens. It, that's exciting. You know, that you, to have the ability to surprise yourself. Um, I mean, yeah, a lot. That's so much of what it's about. It's like accidentally taking a left turn and like ending up somewhere you don't expect. You know, and that's one thing with a lot of the artists I love is like, they'll take a left turn that I don't expect to go, but it's like, you know, it's like that Henry Ford quote, like, you know, if you would ask people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. You <laughs> right. Know, but, it gave you a car instead. I was like, oh my God, I had no, I, I didn't expect that, you know, and those surprises are always really nice and like surprising yourself, but also you have to give yourself room to do that, you know? Absolutely. But in, in on the, you know, speaking of analysis paralysis, that was one of the things that was kind of the early tenets of battle tapes was we were like, okay, we're only using these three cents. We're only using this one echo plugin. We're only like, we were, we limited our choices to what we could do. And, you know, I accidentally found that that really helped solidify a sound and made it very distinguishable. You know, gave it a lot of character because we we're limiting ourselves to certain sounds. Um, but as well as like limiting track count or how many, you know, it, just giving ourselves limitations so you, we couldn't get, you know, lost in the sauce like that, where it's just like, which of these 300 808 kick sounds am I going to use for this track? You know, it's just like, right. look, we got the one, you know, figure it out. Yeah, do the one. But that, you know, I think that keeps your mind out of the engineer brain and more in the artist brain. Yeah, I, I that's interesting. So um, you bring that point up of engineer. You guys are, are I'm assuming you're you're everything basically. You're you're producing and you're worrying about are you worrying about the mixing and mastering? I mean, how yeah, much we, we we do everything in-house. All our, you know, the production, the mixing, the mastering. Uh, all our visuals, most of our videos. Uh, yeah, we pretty much do everything ourselves. How does, is it, do you have to like, 
really be strict with yourself and saying, okay, um, for the next 45 minutes, I am in engineer mode and I'm going to think about engineer stuff. And then I'm going to switch to how do you keep those disciplines from not interfering? I think that kind of goes back to why we we have take so long between our releases is, is partly because of that, because we literally have to like switch modes. And so, you know, we'll get, we'll get the song ideas when we're in like production mode or, you know, creative having fun mode. And then, you know, Josh writing lyrics is a completely different mode that, you know, is uh, usually one of the harder, harder things to deal with. And from, from my perspective of the whole, uh, song making process and then you know once that's all done then it's like switch over to engineer mode and mix these songs and and then even after that you have to switch into administrative mode and or record label mode yeah and, marketing mode yeah so and it's definitely you know doing it ourselves i feel like maybe just it makes things move a little slower because there's not somebody whose sole purpose is to get the marketing out there and do right. it um or, or get the who's just waiting for our mixes to come to them and then they're going to mix them real fast it's and you know mixing our own songs is it, it's it allows you to sit there and you know take your time with the mixes as opposed to sending it out to a mixing engineer who's going to have it back to you in like a couple of days yeah and it, i'd say also too a lot of the process happens at the same time where you're kind of mixing the the record as you're working on it you know, when you actually do get a mixing mode, it's not like we strip it all down to zero again and rebuild it, kind of work with what you've got there and, you know, finesse it a little bit. But, um, yeah, switching to those, putting on those different hats definitely takes time to, like, it's like Riley was saying, especially writing lyrics, where it's, like, this whole other, like, verbal metaphor Rubik's Cube you're trying to piece together and right. have it make sense, but also feel really good when you're singing it and, you know... Um, yeah, it just takes, you know, as opposed to having someone who's dedicated, like I sing and I write lyrics, you know, where it's just us both producing and mixing and writing and, you know, all that at once. And then also dealing with our own like day-to-day lives and all that too. Right, right. Um, it's a hugely time-intensive thing. And as is that something that was like the foundational core of when you made battle tapes of like, we're going to do everything or was that just the nature of like how it went where it's like well i gotta we gotta figure out how to release this we gotta do you know like did you learn as you went or do either one of you have backgrounds that lended itself to what you're currently doing yeah i think a little bit of both um we both were engineers like worked in various studios and assisted different producers uh before the band and, you know, we both still do a bit of that, um, probably more so than myself. But um, but some of it was also like, you know, even, you know, you, you want a certain thing or you have a certain vision in mind and you can't find the people to, like, facilitate that. So it's like, fuck it, man, I'll just figure it out myself. I'll just, you know, I don't know how to use After Effects, but it can't be that hard or, you know, those kind of things where you just like, you, you want a certain thing and you just got to put in the work to get it. You know, yeah. as opposed to like farming it out to someone else and hoping for the best. And I think I'm, I can be very particular about what I want to see or hear. And I'm usually not, you know, that itch isn't scratched until I see, you know, or until I get a certain feeling for whatever it is we're looking at or listening to. Um, 
and that's hard to get sometimes working, especially early on, you know, you don't really have access to the caliber of artist that you may want to work with. Um, so yeah, I think it's a bit of both where we, we did have a background going into it, but other things like, you know, marketing, like for instance, like we we're just talking about our, you know, graphic design or whatever, you kind of had to figure that out yourself if you can't find the right artist to work with. It's a huge amount of work and the learning curves for what you're doing are huge. Um, you know, that being able to maintain the control is, is beautiful because you're able to, you know, obviously curate and show exactly what you want as you want it. But there's, you know, like I myself, I sometimes struggle in my own creative pursuits of being able to make the thing in my brain real life, right? Um, mm -hmm. And when you're learning you know, like Adobe After Effects or the visual component, that's, if you don't have that background, it can be really difficult. So that's, it's a huge uh, props to you guys for taking all of that uh, in-house and just learning it. It actually reminds me of Gore. Uh, so uh, they do, I was watching a documentary on, on, on them, not the new one that was just released, but uh, they, Gore is kind of a collective of people from Virginia and they will literally, if they have an instrument back, you know, back in the early nineties and they're doing stuff, they would just have a member learn how to play the instrument for that one song. And so they take lessons and do things and just learn. Cause there's no one that was going to like lend their support to a band called Gore and what they ultimately were doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So they had to figure everything out. And so it was very DIY in that sense. Um, yeah. So it's interesting, you know, when you have a particular vision and you're like, it's going to be this way. And obviously, like, you guys are a lot more palatable than Gore. <laughs> I mean, obviously. <laughs> but that methodology, like, it just seems like certain people are more geared to, like, get involved with other aspects of creativity than just, I'm a lyricist and I sing. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's part of the, what being in a band is now is like doing everything which is like you know i see a lot of people on social media bitching about how music is kind of shallow or trite now and it's like well why do you think that is man there's no artist development there's no time to like you know i'm too worried about the tiktok algorithm to worry about how to write a better song you know it's like uh yeah, or you're you just, writing the song for the TikTok algorithm. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Like, right. well, no more bridges now. We have to cut the bridge, cut the middle eight, because it's all just verse, chorus, verse, and that's it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, the 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 bandwidth for artistry has gotten so narrow, you know. It's like, and even the things that do gain traction, you know, not to uh, discourage any of that, but you know, it's not the it's not even like eat, it's it's eating candy. It's not like eating a steak dinner. You know what mm -hmm. I mean. And there's room for both. It's just there's a lot of candy. You know. Yeah. It's you know it, it's difficult um, to be an artist and a musician, obviously in this day and age. And and what I think a lot of people don't realize is the the amount of time and energy put into the craft and people that are really successful usually have really big teams. Um, you think of like someone even like Grimes, who is kind of sure. heralded as this DIY master. She's got a lot of people behind her to help push uh, where she is now. Um, and it's not, it's not just her. Um, she has a team of people. When you, when you are your own team, 
you know, I, I can imagine that it, as you said, it, it affects the, the creativity um, or the time put into it. But, you know, you guys are... Hey there, TPA listeners, Eric here. Sorry for interrupting, but this is the part where we do some shameless self-promotion. And we'd like to give our sincere thanks for listening to the show. And we are just as surprised as you are for listening. But since you're here, we'd like to highly encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And of course, for all things The Paradise Arcade, you can also visit us on theparadisearcade.com. Please like, share, and review our episodes. We like interacting with you. We like to hear your feedback. What's your favorite part of the interview? What you thought was interesting? Who would you get on the show next? Those are all important things that we'd like to hear. And the last thing, if you really like the show and you want more and you want to contribute, you could do something for us. You could find us on Patreon. You can contribute as little or as much as you want. On Patreon, you'll find some exclusive content that we will continue to update. Mostly, we just want to say thanks for listening. We appreciate you. So let's get back to it. What's up, everybody? We're listening to Paradise Arcade. You obviously are taking more time to put together music. So it's sort of like that balance of, you know, you're able to have more um, ability to craft your songs because you're not, you're not going to, write something today and put it out tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. It's again, we're not on no one's timetable too. Like I think because we don't have uh, a bunch of people looking to like put their kids through school on the back of our record or, you know, or pay their house note other than us, you know, yeah, we don't have ex- external pressure to like hurry, get it done. You know, I got a, <laughs> I got tuition coming up, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, we can operate our own timeline, but it also gives us, you know, maybe it's the same amount of time someone in the seventies would have had to like work on their craft. It's just for us, it's the same amount of time just in between everything else, you know? Yeah. The seventies is a wild time for musicians. Um, Dude, I, like Elton John putting out a record every year. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And they're but, all good too. You yeah. know, like. But also like, you know, early Geffen, he would, what he would do is he would just, sort of sign artists and then put them together. That's how the Eagles came together. It was almost like he's like, okay, well you guys are, are, are good musicians. Uh, just go take time to figure it out. And he gave them years. <laughs> he literally gave them years to figure out the Eagles and what that yeah. ended up being. Uh, and there isn't, and that's a lot of time, money investment. And there people don't have that kind of patience anymore. Or the ability no. to like, you know, here's a half a million dollars for a few years. Go figure your stuff out, play shows and we'll, we'll work on it. We'll figure it out. Um, right. So I, yeah, the, the landscape is, is completely different and there is a lot more of that pressure, what you're talking about, you know, whether it's from social media or if it's from record companies who are like worried about their quarterly profits and you've got a, a committee, basically creativity through committee almost. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're not part of that. So that I, and you could tell when there's artists that are, that are doing it of their own volition and really getting into their own spaces and don't have those pressures versus here's the product. There it is. Consume it. Now move on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you know, there's room for all of it, but yeah, I think if you're looking to, uh, reach the top of the charts. 
<laughs> this is not the way to do it. <laughs> yeah, but then you also you'd also never know. That's that's the weird thing. You know, you you do have those lucky strikes, so to speak, where something transcends because it, it's weird how you know if you look at like the grunge movement movement for instance look at where popular culture was right leading up to it you know this sort of decadence and larger than life everything and yeah and then something very you know initially very earnest and stripped down and unpretentious came and, and took over the world and and uh, to a lot of those bands unwillingly you know um certainly i don't think like a band like nirvana wanted to be the biggest thing ever yeah i wonder it's funny you bring up nirvana because i i wonder how much is like i know kurt loved his band and from everything i've heard from you know people who knew or were involved in nirvana or you know peripherally however um kurt loved his band and wanted them to succeed from what i understand uh, I wonder if when he actually got to the mountaintop, if he wasn't, you know, it was like, oh, this isn't what I thought this was going to be, you know. I think that is exactly what happened. Um, there's a quote saying that he was jealous of Freddie Mercury because he seemed to be so comfortable owning an audience and mm -hmm. how he could never be that way. And there was this sort of sense of jealousy or admiration or whatever it was. Um, for that where he's sort of this unwitting um not just band leader but almost like a generational cultural leader and it had to be a really difficult place to be yeah the pressure pressure exactly yeah i mean and the funny thing is the guy you know um idolized john lennon who was exactly that you know just a voice of a generation yeah but maybe when you get in that driver's seat you know it ain't it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. I mean, that's not my, that's not the life for me. I don't, I know that very well. Yeah. Um, so I like my little behind the, behind the scenes life. Uh, cause that kind of pressure is woof. Um, let's talk a bit about your guys's influences. You come from, you know, uh, engineering backgrounds. Um, musically, you take from a lot of things. What was your initial, inspiration and drive into making music being a musician uh mine was uh, i wonder what what was it that got i mean i've always been into music it's like one of those you know you hear it a million times but like just as a kid it was just like was always just fascinating to me and it just struck me and my mom played piano my dad played guitar so we had a couple instruments around the house that i'd always kind of just beat on and I started writing songs really young. Um, and again, just kind of like fooling around, but you know, I wanted to write music. I even started, drums were my first instrument. And I, I remember at one point just getting like, I want to write songs, but I can't, you know, you can't really write a song on a drum kit. Right. Uh, so that's when I started picking up guitar and, and piano a little more. Um, and it wasn't until like I was a teenager where I started really getting into electronic music when I think it's like, you know, rock music just wasn't happening for me anymore yeah when it got like especially like post grunge era where it was all like you know family values tour and emo you know just wasn't right. for me so i definitely delved in more electronic music at that point um but yeah i mean a huge influence on me was i think on all of us in the band was depeche mode 
Yeah. Um, I, I could have called that uh, 100 miles away. Not necessarily overt, <laughs> but there's a certain, you know, people don't give them enough credit for the, the brilliance of their songs and, and the craftsmanship of what they do. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, name me another band that started in 1979 and is still making relevant records. Seriously. You know, and like, you know, we were, one night we were watching, or one day we were over here in the studio watching um, 101, and there's a moment where like, Dave looks over at Martin and like they both give each other this little smile. You know, they're they are what you would assume is the peak of their career at the Rose Bowl playing, you know, they already had a greatest hits record out by that point. Uh-huh. And essentially you would think that is the peak of their career. No, man. They dropped Violator a year later. Right. It's like, gee, like what band does that? You know, it's incredible. Yeah, they're, you know, for me, they're one of you know, they're probably my top band of all time. Um, and I will die saying that Martin Gore is one of the finest songwriters of certainly yeah. the 20th century. Um, is just without a doubt, I will die on that hill. Um, yeah, it's amazing. And that one, I love that documentary. Um, it's the the bird's eye view of of that time for them. It, it's it's incredible. And as you said, Violator, and then. Songs of Faith and Devotion after that. Know. You know what I mean? Like, just, it kept coming. Yeah, dude. And even, like, was Ultra after that. Like, yeah, I mean, even after, you know, there is also the obvious turning point when Alan Wilder, Alan Wilder left. You know, the sound changed. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that 90s run was strong, man. Like, arguably stronger than the 80s run, which was, like, incredible to begin with. Yeah. And then they, you know, they picked it up again in the two thousands, and you know, even they could still make dangerous records. That's you know, right. like Delta Machine was a was a dirty, like grimy record, and you wouldn't necessarily expect that from a band that had already been around for almost forty years at that point. Um, and it, that's the edge. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like that's what I find really fascinating about them, and just like you know, even every time they put out a record. Uh, people want to know what it sounds like. Uh-huh. You know, it's not like when I don't, I don't want to name names or you know a band that's been around since the seventies or eighties puts out a record and it's like, yeah, whatever. You know, they're putting out other you're like play the hits, man. You know, it's like yeah, you, a lot of that. But with Depeche Mode, it's like they still make records, and I'm curious what are they doing this time? Like you, even last week, they dropped some photo of Martin and Dave in the studio again, and it's like I can't wait to hear what they're doing. You actually raised such a an a important and interesting point because like if elton john puts out a record we kind of know what it's gonna be about you know and it's kind of yeah. not he's not gonna be swinging for the fences and doing some weird shit he's he's got his kind of his thing and that's good and it's elton john's a brilliant songwriter um but depeche mode i am definitely like i want to know what it sounds like where are they going what weird musical avenue are they exploring on this particular thing and sometimes it resonates with me sometimes it doesn't but I'm always curious about what they're doing. And it's not because, oh, they're going to play more of the same. They're going to do something that's going to surprise me. Yeah, it's kind of going back to uh, you know what I said earlier. It's like it's good or bad is irrelevant, but it's always interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to actually bring up something. The uh, There's a quote. It's the opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely uh, with that. And so – it kind of like really kind of loops back around to the record that you guys are going to release and, and, um, 
and the, and obviously clearly you're very aware of a lot of different bands and the impact that music has and making sure that it's the the right thing what when did you know that this record it was like it was the right time it's the right songs to release it hmm another great question <laughs> um I think for us, it's just a feeling like we feel like it's like, you know, uh, the process of making a record, at least for me, is letting it reveal itself to you, you know, and kind of like what you were saying earlier about going with with too much intent. You know, I, I find if you try to steer the ship too hard in one direction, you always end up in the seas of mediocrity. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll find yourself somewhere. It's like, yeah, that's fine. But. I think you can just nudge the ship, the creative ship in one direction or another, like maybe this way, but you just got to let it become whatever it's going to become. You know, it's mm-hmm. going to have its own personality. It's going to be its own thing. You're just kind of helping facilitate its, you know, journey over from the ether into this world. You know, um, I, I think it's a feeling. I don't know. Riley, how about you? Uh, I don't know. That was a good question. I mean, I think that the, the state of the pandemic kind of helped give us a little push and feeling like it's time, you know, like things are, have gotten a little bit back to normal. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, initially we were watching what the pandemic did and it, like Josh was saying earlier, kind of, I don't know, devalued and oversaturated music. And, because uh, everyone's putting it out, but nobody's really caring because they're too worried about the pandemic. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I, you know, I think we got, we've gotten to a point where it's just, you know, it feels like um, we've gotten to the point that we kind of felt like we wanted to get to uh, with the way, like the, with the way people are out in the world. Yeah. I I think also, yeah, the the world kind of coming back to normal, I think kind of got me excited about getting out of my little bubble again. And like, you know, also, yeah, just being ready to like get something out. Like, you know, we've done everything we can with this you know, I don't want to overcook it, you know, right. and, but at the same time, it's got to be right. It's got to feel good. And yeah, I think the timing was just right. You know, is there it also, it's, oh, it's one of those things that's hard too. It's like, I want to put this out because we've had it forever. So it's, you know, you got to fight that like, Oh my God, dude, that's, feeling to put it out. that is absolutely like driving me up the wall right now. Like at the week at like, Days after we released, if only like, man, I'm ready to release another song. Like, I just can't <laughs> wait to get it out because it's been so long. And just like, finally, like letting people hear it or finally like letting it meet its audience is such a good feeling, you know? Yeah. Um, and man, I think we were all taken aback a bit, like the way the response we got when we dropped the new single. It was just people were so excited and just, you know, <laughs> I thought you guys were dead, you know? But uh, people are ready. People are ready for yeah. some new battle tapes. Yeah, it's been exciting. It's been really fun to see the response. And yeah, it's, it's got us really excited to get this record out. Um, yeah, we have another single coming out next month. Uh, and then I'm thinking that the record's going to drop around the first of the year. Got it. Yeah. Um, I've seen places in press where it said this year, but I think we'll wait till next year. On Wikipedia, uh, yeah, gotta... it says 2022, just so you know. <laughs> I don't know who Wikipedia is, but you don't know any. No, uh, yeah, I don't know who runs our Wikipedia. Who even does that? Uh, it's like we have a Reddit, a subreddit too. I don't even know who does that. Um, 
Yeah, I guess it's just, you know, collectively people add on Wikipedia. I thought you said it up. No, I think one of our old managers set it up, but I don't know who's been added because it gets, you know, people add to it, but yeah, it ain't me. So what is there a special, um, you know, mode or methodology or, or what you're doing with the release of this new record? Is there anything uh, different that people could expect or that you're going to do that's different? Are you going to do some touring maybe to support it? Man, I'd love to. I think it really just has to do with like the ROI and, you know, just there being um, enough momentum to tour the way, again, like we have our lives and stuff and we do, you know, our time is well spent in the studio writing songs and uh, mixing for people and engineering. Um, touring is such a, you know, I'm sure you know, is expensive and yeah. takes a lot of time and time away from home. And, uh, you know, and we've never looked at touring as a reaction to releasing our record. It's always been something that we just wanted to do because we wanted to do it. Um, and I think with this one, it's going to be like throwing gas on an already like roaring fire kind of thing. If we tour, I mean, I'm sure we're going to do some DJ sets. Uh, we'll play some one-off shows here and there, but as far as full out tour goes, it's still kind of TBD on that. Yeah. It's, it seems like the more conversations that I've had with musicians and it, it's just such an expensive proposition and when you don't have a label who's um supporting that and it makes it really difficult and they're not spending the money like they they used to and now they're taking cuts of touring profits so it's not economical in the way that it used to be um for artists tour which is sad because you know i love live music as part of you know what i do you know here in the in the uh, twin cities is is you know, I want to see shows, and so I put things together so I could. I'm selfish, so I can see these things. But you know, there's yeah. a lot of um, it's it's it can be very expensive, and you know, people got to come. You know, as a promoter, people yeah. got to show up. Especially as a full band, where you have like a drum kit and like two keyboard rigs and guitars, and you know, like four dudes, and it starts adding up. It's not like you know. God bless them. Like a lot of the DJs and stuff, you bring a flash drive and that's it. You know, you fly to your gig and head back home the next day. It's awesome. But just, yeah, just like the the amount of logistics and the weight that's required to actually tour a proper band is a lot. It's huge. Yeah. Um, and I think even now, DJs or, or smaller electronic artists are less inclined to do live shows just because of the the time and the and the investment because one-off shows are can be really disorienting as well because you're like you know it could be three days that you're kind of out of your normal swing of stuff and traveling could be expensive for um for independent artists too so it's uh i'm curious what lot the world of live music is gonna be and i hope that the small there's some some breakthrough for mid-size smaller artists are still able to get out and play live because that's i think it's such a we talked about a communal uh thing yeah i think live music is such a communal experience it's so important um that it'd it'd be really sad that if that went away for you know again yeah i'm I'm here i mean i am curious like what the you know often i say you know everything post pandemic sucks you know like (laughs) for some reason everything just kind of sucks now like so you know customer service places uh 
you know, the quality of products you get now, um, your meal at a restaurant, and everything's just like kind of starting over again, and everyone's still trying to recover from it. Um, yeah, I, I'm curious. You know, even festivals now are just out of hand. Everyone's like, you know, raging. And I, yeah, I think we're still trying to shake off the last five years, you know. Um, Absolutely. Especially. Um, but yeah, I, I'm curious what the future holds. And because, again, it's like there's not a lot of people sinking a lot of money into artists anymore. You know, you had to have that backing to have it make sense. And just it's lowest common denominator kind of at this point where it's like, well, why would we put money behind this band that costs us a lot of money? We need to buy this one artist that just doesn't cost anything. And the profit margins are way higher, you know, I get it, man. Yeah. Um, but I also personally want to see bands and see artists like you mentioned earlier, Com Truth perform live, you know, that guy's awesome. Mm -hmm. Or seeing, you know, artists that I really like that aren't 40 year veterans, you know, playing shows. Right. Um, yeah. It, you know, and, seeing something new would be nice just like not even a new band but a new approach yeah uh, and I'm, i don't even know how that looks you know what does that look like for the future um because i think a lot you know the live streams are awesome and that's definitely something we've considered doing we're doing a uh you know a live stream performance but it just is not the same as like being in the room with people you know absolutely i'm i I see that there's something that's needed, but I have no answers to what that is. And, you know, as you say, live streams, that was pretty prevalent for a hot minute. Um, but it's not, as you say, it's not the same. And I'm curious what what the world looks like. I, you know, my fantasy, I suppose, is, you know, some futuristic thing, virtual reality, where it feels like yeah. you're there and seeing the band and the band can see the, the, the people, if you will. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. Are you guys going to do a video for the next single too? Is that part of the, the, yeah. Really awesome. Yeah. We got a lot of, we got a, we're going to release a few more singles before the record comes out and they all are going to have a lot of visual content to them too. Um, and that's, you know, I think that's one thing that we're focusing on more at this time too, is the, um, really again going back to the thoughtfulness and just kind of being intentional of what we're doing with like i you know we want to make uh videos for all these songs we want to just make more out of it as opposed to like you know hurry we got to make a video let's just do it like we you know the the last video different only we started back in the fall of last year to do that we worked with a really talented visual artist uh dude named eugene who goes under the moniker of et visuals and you can find him on instagram or uh youtube or anything he does awesome like kind of neon cyberpunk photography but he started yeah, getting cool. into um video synthesis and he and i you know uh followed each other on instagram for a while and um uh, i saw that the video synth stuff he was getting into and feeling it and then he hit me up one day about working together i was like dude that's so funny i was about to hit you up about the same thing <laughs> um and he's in london so there's a bit of back you know a lot of like getting on discord calls like this and you know, going back and forth and kind of trying to figure out what we're going to do. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it, we wanted to just take our time with everything and make sure it wasn't just like a scramble to get something done where it actually had like a lot of, you know, thought behind it. And, um, you know, we weren't like rushing to get it out. It was just like done and we couldn't wait to get it out, you know, that feeling. Um, yeah. It's the next video we have coming out, I don't want to give away too much 
but it's all animated. And nice. we started working on that over a year ago with a really cool team from, I think they're from Minnesota too. It's a, um, a young dude by the name of his uh, online name is crash soon. He has some really cool animated stuff. And uh, we, we worked with him on the last, on the next video and man, it, it's so rad. We're so excited about getting it out. Oh, that's really cool. Um, yeah. The next few videos after that, I don't want to, again, I don't want to give too much away. I love like the, the reveal, you know, but uh, we're really excited about all the visual stuff we're doing. It's all like really cool. And again, it, it's not, I think it's pretty unexpected, but on brand for us, it is not like your typical, you know, hamming for the camera kind of video. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying to keep it interesting, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, it's exciting. And I like, you know, what there's a, a methodology behind the, the release of what you're doing and the buildup. Um, and I just can't imagine the amount of patience and like that you guys have to have, you have an album done and just to be like, okay, here's a single. And then maybe a month later, we'll do another single. And then, you know, <laughs> it's, it's sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I, I, the discipline that it takes to do that. Um, uh, is there a particular reason why you guys are doing a more traditional label release? Like that's how they, how a record label would release um, a album, which is a, that slow build, that building anticipation, and then release the album. Yeah, I think it's because we never have. You know, we we just kind of like here's a song and here's a record. You know, it's we haven't done like a slow build. It's just. You know, again, it's like, what haven't we done before? Let's try to do something different. And um, there's enough of a record there where we we are building up to something, but um, there's a lot to swim in after the fact as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's just fun. It's also just all the climate we're in, too, where you got to keep releasing things to keep people's attention. There's just so much out there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, with it's... already. Yeah, I mean, it's really, you know, we've had a lot of conversations about it. It's getting the most out of stuff we're putting mm-hmm. out. Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we do this because we love it, but we want it to be successful. And if we want it to be successful, we have to treat it like a business. Right. So we've got to be, like, making new fans, you know, we and we have to extend this, this kind of rollout. Or, you know, we look at the record labels doing it. They're doing it because they're making money. Yep. And yeah. so, you know, we got to... They're seeing success with it. Yeah, so we're just seeing... Take, taking this route, seeing if it really does uh, kind of help give us a little bit more longevity with these releases, which could in turn turn into more fans and make the band bigger. Yeah, give us, yeah, it gives us more room to connect with people and to you know um, gives people more time to find it or to talk about it or you know and you know so much also depends on when you release things. If you know no one releases a record in November or December unless they're like a major artist, they you know they're going to get like a a big hit at Christmas time. Right. Uh, so, you know, those months for artists like us are dead, you know, um, just, just the big boys are doing too much. Yeah, um, they got you know, it. cool thing about releasing a song in summer is a lot of people are home doing nothing from school. Cool thing about releasing something in the fall is people are going back to school if they're in college and they're going to talk about, you know, this new song or band they found, uh, you know, it just kind of keeps the, um, energy going, you know, mm-hmm. and the excitement. So, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, you look at like who's doing it right and who's succeeding and why does that work and how do we, how does that fit into the way, the way we work? And yeah, I think that's, 
just trying to be um, smart about the way you do it as opposed to kind of flippant. The way I think, you know, even us, we've been in the past where it's like, whatever, you know, you don't, you don't want to be that marketing guy. It's so like, so cringy to feel, you know, even calling to book a show somewhere like it's like an odd, awkward feeling. <laughs> and I know a lot of other artists feel the same way about, you know, marketing and, and social media and like telling people to listen to your band. You know, it's just, it's just awkward. It just feels it, weird. Oh yeah, to do, definitely. You, know? you, you know, uh, got a lot of respect for self promoters who could just do it. You know what I mean? That's, it's a skill set. For sure, man. Those dudes hamming it on TikTok, like, you know, like looking right in the camera and talking and stuff. Like, I just don't have that in me. <laughs> so you got to find your own version of that. But yep. um, yeah, I think it's easy for as a musician or if you're an artist where you're not like as forward facing as, um, you know, I'm just trying to think of a band on top of my head that's like that bird, you know, they're very in your face and very unabashedly like promoting themselves. And God bless them, man. Like, I wish I had that, but I don't. And it's easy to, so anyway, I think as an artist like that, it's easy to, or like an artist like us, it's easy to, you know, make up some reason why you're not going to promote your record or not going to really get behind it. Or, you know, again, it's like putting on another hat where you've got to learn what, what's the Instagram algorithm doing this week, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Or like now we got to make reels. I don't know. So now we got to reshoot everything, you know, vertically. I don't, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. Um, and just like, what output do we use in Premiere now for that video set? You know, this is all that. Yeah. So it's, it, I don't want to do that. I'm just going to rock a drum beat, dude, you know, but you got to, you want, you know, if you want to see succeed and you want to do your best, like, all right, get your head in the game. Um, had a thought hold on it's gonna come back to no. me i promise uh so yeah speaking of you know like uh, of growing fans you guys have had a lot of your songs featured in a, across all sorts of of media and that's a really like um a really cool thing has that been in your experience a way for you guys to push getting new fans because you know video games absolutely are... absolutely yeah. man it's it's i like we call you know, our, our first big um, like placement was Grand Theft Auto Five, and we call that like our Pinocchio moment, where it's like yeah. we were just like some dudes making music in a rehearsal space and uh, you know playing shows in LA or whatever. But I don't think we were looking at it as you know we're gonna take the you know top of the world, baby. You know, it was <laughs> way more of just doing it because we love doing it and then when that happened it felt like we became like a real band or something and you know all of a sudden we had a lot of new fans and um yeah but the placement thing and getting placements in games and commercials and tv shows is huge yeah i would, I would say that's where the majority of our fans uh find us absolutely uh it, is that something that you guys because you, you do everything so do you have like a licensing thing i've got a friend who who I forget how he does it, but he's got his music licensed and uh, weird things come across. And what he says, what he's told me is that, you know, it might some, uh, uh, like a shaving cream commercial might come up and you're like, why do they want my music for a shaving cream commercial? But what it's done is it's led him like some music supervisor for some other thing found that music. And then it's led to him doing score work and things of that nature. So it's been yeah. a, a really weird way to get more exposure to fans, but then it also is picked up by industry folk who could give you jobs to be a musician. 
Absolutely. Yeah, it, it definitely begets, uh, like, side quests, if you will. You know, it's like you... Um, it's the same kind of thing with, like, you know, doing press where, you know, like someone in the industry, like a manager or agent or whatever, will see something you've done, like you get in a blog or whatever. Same thing with, like, music supervisors where you get used in a commercial and another music supervisor hears that. Uh, and, like, man, that's a rad track. I'd like to use that in my track or, you know, or my commercial or mm-hmm. TV show or whatever. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely, like, uh, expands on itself. and more than just reaching fans, but also people in that particular, you know, sync world mm-hmm. or me- just in media at large, you know? Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's interesting, you know, knowing, you know, musicians who either work in the industry. So they have a, sort of a already pre-made connection there or, you know, through licensing or whatever it is um, and how they're able to kind of, be able to to gain prevalence and and those opportunities that come up um because you know you certainly get, i mean the amount of your music that's been featured in other stuff is is a, quite a bit i mean it's impressive thank you yeah it, dude i mean we feel so fortunate for that because it, i mean so much of that affords us the ability and the luxury to take our time between releases like we you know and we've been real lucky where we keep placing songs even that are like you know eight nine years old and uh, i mean luckily our stuff lends itself to not sounding dated yes that's true um, you know it always you know i like i love the term artifact from the future you know it sounds mm. old but new but you know um uh, but doesn't really sound like any particular time time uh, but uh yeah it, we've been so fortunate with that where we you know we've seen so much success with placements and sync it has afforded us the ability to take our time and make the record we want to make or you know do the visual take a year to make a video you know that's how long it takes yeah um but still like keep our lights on and keep you know money coming in the door yeah Um, have you yeah i was just gonna say it would you guys be interested in in doing like score work because you know band you know like com trues has gotten into scoring and you know make it a vanity set He's been doing it forever, um, and they kind of run in parallel to each other, the mm-hmm. independent music and then also doing scoring work. Is that something that you would be interested in doing in your career at some point? Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and again, it. I don't personally have any interest in doing anything like, you know, big orchestra, Hans Zimmer style, but I think one score we always, like, nod back to is the Fight Club score that the Dust Brothers did. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so them and so appropriate for that movie. And I think that's what we'd want is like, you know, I'm not looking for someone to ask us to sound like John Powell doing like Born Identity or something like that. Um, but that, you know, we're, it's the right fit, you know, like we want you to do your thing. And, uh, you know, but, you know, that being said, even working with, you know, someone who is more of a, um, kind of like how M83 and Joe Trapanese did with the, oblivion where it's like you know you have the dude who is the the muso and the guy who uh has a deep understanding of music and orchestrating uh parts and then you have the more vibe dude like m83 i mean or like how daft punk was with the tron score yeah i i always find um when musicians 
going into score work and, and very interesting and it's really varied and I like it when you can hear the core of of that musician still in the in the piece um, mm-hmm. I, and you know I've had a chance to talk to a lot of composers who are also independent producers and that thought process to me I just find fascinating because it's much more collaborative you're taking notes uh, you're being inspired but then you also have to like hit the right note and how anyone could still maintain their voice in a film score I find really impressive yeah I think I mean you're always going to sound like you you know what I mean like you're you can try I mean some dudes are chameleons and sound like anybody but I think if you're just doing your thing you're always going to sound like you no matter what what the context is um I think, you know, doing score is just getting your head around the idea that you're fulfilling someone else's vision Mm -hmm. and you're a part of a a much larger entity. Like, you know, being in a band or being an artist is like a, you know, uh, it's like a speedboat or something where a movie is like a damn freight line. You know, there's (laughs) so many hands on deck and there's so much going on. And it's like, you're, you're part of a much larger entity where just when you're an artist making a record, it's just, you you know, you're doing your thing on your own little island where, yeah, I think getting into doing score, you've got to, you know, get your mind right about like what, what your role is. And I think that takes a lot of the pressure off too. I mean, it adds a different kind of pressure, but I think, you know, filling someone else's vision and having like this, like picture that you're looking at that inspires you and that is giving you, you know, a guide on what to do. It seems really fun. Yeah. I The person I have a lot of respect for is um, Pilot Priest or Anthony Scott Burns. He's uh, He did uh, Come True, and he directed the movie, wrote the movie, and wrote all the music and performed all the music for the movie. Good uh, God. God and, bless that man. Yeah. Uh, and it's a really uh, – he's a brilliant person to listen to. Sounds I mean, like it. Um, but, yeah, that's – to have both of those things is extremely interesting and impressive. Um, so anyways, uh, is there anything else that we should cover while I've got you guys here? I want to be mindful of your time. Um, yeah, let's talk about QA not. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I got a lot of thoughts on that. Um, no, uh, I don't know. Um, Riley, anything you can think of? Mm-hmm. It, and if there's anything, oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, I feel like we've covered most, you know, most of what's going on with us right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there anything that you know that you wanted us to talk about that you? No, you know, I really appreciate your guys' time. I really appreciate. Um, thanks for having us, man. Yeah. The your you know your insights. Um, I you know I've just been excited to talk to you guys and and get into your heads a little bit. So thank you for letting me rummage around. Uh, oh yeah, man. In your happy thoughts. to do it, man. Well, uh, until next time, this is Eric. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Oh, thanks for having us, man. Motherfucking paradise, I came.